Okay, so last night, oh, I'm Sierra, by the way. You guys know that. But um, <laughs> So last night, I had the awesome opportunity to go to Asbury University. Um, if you guys don't know what's going on there right now, um, they had their normal chapel service on Wednesday morning. Um, it's a Christian school, so chapel's required. Um, but after service ended, they decided to, um, or a, a, group of, a small group of students decided to stay after um, and just, like, continue worshiping. Um, and slowly, over the course of the day, more people just started joining them and praying with them and worshiping with them. And it blew up to this. And so this is day five. Um, they have been worshiping literally 24 hours a day since Wednesday. Um, yeah. There's been hundreds of people, as you can see. Um, yeah, that's a cute one. Um, that is um, there was a little boy, and his parents were teaching him to clap with the music, and he opened up a Bible and just, like, started looking through it. Like, it's, it's amazing. People are coming from all over uh, the country to see this. There was a person from Oregon that we saw yesterday. Um, there's people from North Carolina that we saw, um, people from different universities. Um, whatever we pulled in the parking lot, it was actually so crowded that people were parking in the grass on top of sidewalks. Um, yeah, so parking was a nightmare, but, um, and it was standing room only, um, we got in there, and we started doing communion, and it was just, um, community was like a little glimpse of what heaven looked like, um, it was totally unplanned, they didn't plan a revival, um, everything, um, worship-wise has been improv since, they just have a worship team, one person will start singing, and the rest will follow, and then it's just a crowd, people come and speak as they wish, um, and so I have, Two little videos, if you want to show those now. crazy? Um, five days of that, um, nonstop. People have been switching out so that they can give each other breaks to go eat and sleep um, and the students to go to class. And it has been going constantly. Um, it's just crazy. There's people there. Um, somebody got up and started leading worship in another language. Um, there's a lady sitting next to us who started praying in another language. There were people praying for healing. Um, people were praising and literally dancing, as you can see in the video, jumping up and down. Um, it was just a great um, demonstration of what worship's supposed to look like um, whenever we're really praising Jesus in what heaven's supposed to be like. We're all coming together as one nation, um, the church, and um, praising Jesus. And so, anyways, um, I actually had no intention of going yesterday, but we heard it was going on, and I, Cameron, uh, my boyfriend, and I were like, if we miss this, we're going to regret it so much. So um, we made time for it. Um, so I was there from, those videos were also taken at 10 o'clock last night. Um, so this was not during, the, this was late at night. These people had been worshiping the entire day. They were tired, they were hungry, but they were still that joyful. Um, and so I have a few little notes that I made that I just want to talk about. If I can pull them up really quick. Okay, so as we were driving to this thing, um, something that Cameron said really spoke to me, and I was like, that's a bar, I gotta write that down. Um, <laughs> so, um, he said, I'm driving to this thing, fully expecting to encounter Jesus, and I realize I don't expect that every Sunday morning. Let that sit. Um, that type of revival, that type of praise and community is what we should be expecting from church. I don't mean you guys have to stand up and jump right now. I mean, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. I mean, we should be expecting a life change every single Sunday. It shouldn't be a big revival event that has to change your life. It shouldn't be um, students worshiping for five days straight for us to feel the presence of God. We should be seeking that and preparing our hearts for that every single week, every single Sunday. Um, and so we were talking about it, and he said, why isn't this happening every Sunday? We're traveling over an hour to praise God, and we're expecting to leave changed. 
So why don't we expect to leave church changed? So that's something I want you guys to search your hearts. It really hit me whenever we were thinking about that because I'm just as guilty. Um, Sometimes we can get into a routine of things, um, and it takes something that is out of the ordinary, like this revival, to really open our hearts and let us receive the Holy Spirit. Um, The presence of God was there, but the presence of God is everywhere. And so we can have that same joy in that same spirit here right now, if we're all receptive to it. Um, So another note I had, we should be preparing our hearts for worship every single Sunday. We should be ready to create an atmosphere for a house of worship and praise. Um, The thought of, I'm so hungry. I want to go take a nap after church. I want to go eat after church. Like, y'all, they've been worshiping for five days straight. That is the least of their concerns. That should be the least of our concerns. I saw a girl there um, who had brought her backpack and had packed a lunch and a dinner because she stayed there the entire day. (laughs) That's what church should be. Church shouldn't be, oh, it's scheduled. Oh, we're not on time. Oh, my goodness. Um, The lighting isn't right. The sound isn't right. No. That's not, we're here for Jesus. We're not here for all of the small things that don't matter. Um. And I don't think it's a coincidence that with everything going on in the world right now, this is also happening. I don't know if you guys, I'm not going to go on a big rant about it, but I don't know if you guys have seen what happened with the Grammys um, or with, you know, everything going around and politics and all of these big, horrible things. Um, But the enemy hasn't defeated us, and he's not going to. (laughs) Because whenever he tries, this is what happens. (laughs) So, um, and so I've heard so many people gosh, we just need a revival. We just need to get our country back face towards Jesus. And something that Cameron and I realized last night is we don't need a revival. Revival's already here. Um, We need to open our hearts and be receptive to it. We already have a revival. Jesus is already being praised and worshipped. They're still doing this as we speak. They haven't stopped yet, and I don't think they're going to for a long time. (laughs) Um, So with that, um, with all those little side notes, I'm not trying to preach at you, but um, I'm going to transition back to my keyboard, and we're just going to have a time of reflection. Um, so you guys are welcome to come up and pray. You can um, sing. You can pray in your seat. You can talk to my dad. <laughs> you can do whatever the Spirit leads you to do, but I'm going to sing. Feel free to sing along with me. Um, we're just going to have a little time of reflection. I got to get corded again. I'm sorry.
Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you, God, and I pray um, that we just keep our hearts open and we receive you, Lord. Um, I thank you for what's happening in Asbury and what's happening around the world, God. Um, I just pray for more revival, for more of us to see you um, and to accept you and to know you, God. Um, I pray for this sermon, um, that everything up on the stage today is from you and not from us, God. Um, And I pray that... um, you just teach us something today, Lord, um, that you, your message resonates with us, and I pray that um, we just, we keep this in mind, um, that above all that's going on in the world, you're holy and you're the one who reigns, um, and God, I just pray that we don't let other things um, get in the way of worshiping you, God, um, I pray we don't let the idol of sports tonight get in the wor- way of worshiping you, I pray that we don't let our own trials and tribulations get in the way of worshiping you, God, um, and that we just keep you above everything, Lord. Um, we love you, and in your name we pray. Amen. Well, we can pack up and go home now. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 Timmy said good luck following that. Um, I, I tell you, um, we, she, Sierra just told me this morning, she said, hey, I, I have to do this, and well, I'm not stopping you. And praise God that we are open for the Holy Spirit. Um, I mean, as a, as a father, I mean, I couldn't be more proud that everything she said was spot on. Amen? I mean, you know, we, we are called to, to take time and spend time with the Lord. And, and He is working and He is moving in a big and mighty way right now. And, and for us to, you know, oftentimes we... We're like, well, I just don't have time. I just don't have time. My life is busy. Things are hectic, you know. And, you know, we just, we open up ourselves to receive the Spirit and the way that He works and moves. Man, He can do great, big, mighty things. And as she said, those people, they have been going nonstop, literally just taking enough time to just, just grab a quick nap and, just, and then just get back to it, you know. And, and as she said, you know, oftentimes we're like, you know, come on. You know, lunch is almost over. These people don't care. And, and, and here's what I'll tell you, just to just kind of go off of what she was saying. When the Holy Spirit's working in you, those people are being fed spiritually. They're not really worried about the snack or the lunch or the dinner that she brought. She's being fed by the Holy Spirit. And he says, if you're with me, you'll never thirst. The water I give you You'll never thirst again. The food that I give you, the spiritual food, the spiritual food that I remember Ray Sparrow speaking about here, he would say, he would say, look, I've got this great dinner sitting here in front of me. But then he told me as I was driving him to church one day, he said, but this is my spiritual food. He said, this is what fills my soul, and this is what gets me through. We don't need anything else but Jesus. He's the one that carries us through every single day. And, you know, and it's funny that, you know, again, all of this stuff kind of comes together. If, if you have your Bibles, uh, if you don't have one, there should be one in the pew. If you don't have a Bible at home, take the one that's in the pew. Keep it forever. Um, those are just considered a gift from us to you. Um, we will buy more, um, you know. But, uh, but open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 20. And we're going to be talking today about a fella named Thomas. And, and I really feel like, like, this all just sort of comes together. What Sierra was talking about, where she was leading us to, this situation that is happening and going on down at Asbury College or, or University, and, and, and all of these people coming together. We're going to take a look at John chapter 20, verses 19 to 29. We're going to take a look at those. And, and my prayer is that, that we're going to come to an understanding we're going to come to an understanding today. The, uh, you may see in your bulletin there, the, the sermon title for today is, Do You Doubt? And if you know anything about Thomas, Apostle Thomas, you'll know that he was the one amongst all of them who did doubt the most. Now, if we're being honest, each of us, if you're a professing Christian here in the church today, I'm going to ask you, if you will, with 100% complete honesty, if you've ever had doubt, raise your hand. So if you're not a professing Christian in the room today, 
and you've had doubt, you're not alone. It's the first thing I want you to know. Even professing Christians at some point have had doubt. You know why? Because life is hard. It's not easy. We're not perfect people. There's only ever been one perfect person who's ever walked the face of this earth. It's Jesus Christ. Period. And, and he's the only one who, who had it all together. Like everything. He had it all together. And guess what happened to him? He was accused, he was convicted, and he was tried and crucified, beaten, bruised, spit on, called names. He died on a cross, and he was perfect. So what do you think for us, who's not perfect? How do you think the world's going to go for us? How do you think the day after day after day is going to go for us? Sometimes... We fall back on our heels, don't we? Sometimes we, we kind of find ourselves in the why me? What does this mean? How could this possibly lead to good? There's situations that go on in our lives and we just, sometimes we just feel like we crumble and we fall apart, don't we? Have you ever just woke up and just went, wow, can I just go back to sleep and get up tomorrow? Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever just felt like, like, Oh my gosh, there's got to be more. There's got to be something else. There's got to be some sort of good. That's Jesus. Jesus is good. And what he has done is amazing. And so we're going we're gonna to take a look here. We're going to learn, hopefully we're going to learn some things about Thomas. So take a look there, starting John 20, starting there at verse 19. <clears throat> it says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you, withhold the for, uh, if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Starting there in verse 24, it says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands on the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Does this story of Thomas strike a chord with any of the rest of you in this room? You see, the situation for Thomas is unique. He was there as all of these things with Jesus was unfolding. As Jesus was going around, walking from town to town, preaching, teaching, performing miracles, Thomas was there. He was a witness. He got to see these things. All the crowds who gathered. When Jesus fed the 5,000, as Jesus did all these, you know, made the lame walk and the, and the blind see and, and did all of these great miraculous. He was there. And when it came time for him to believe what Jesus had said, when he said, I am going to leave, but I will come back, he doubted. He doubted the one who had just done all of these miraculous things right before his very eyes. Things that no one else could ever do. No things that no one else has ever since yet done again. And there he is presented with 
this information. And he just simply says, I will never believe. Never is a tough word, isn't it? It's a strong word. You have to be careful using the word never. When I was in my English class in high school, I can remember my teacher saying, don't ever use the word never because you'll come to regret it. Oftentimes, never comes to life. Oftentimes, never comes back to haunt you. comes right to bite you in the butt. It just does. I still use the word never to this day, and it still gets me, and I'm haunted by the words of my English teacher. The only other thing that Mr. Harris taught me was that the word perturb is a verb, and it means to disturb. It's the only two things I got. That was that. Uh, well, that and the word innuendo. It means like you're looking in a window, like you're getting a look. But, th- but those, are, those are the three things that I can recall. I was not a good student, even though last week I told you I got a 4.0 as a uh, GPA for my, when I graduated college. But here's the thing. <clears throat> I was stupid in high school. I was smart in college. But that was only because I had to pay for it. Um, so... So we're going we're gonna to take a look here at this text, and, and here's what we get to see very first off, looking there at verse 19. It starts off as, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors were locked because the, because the disciples, they were in fear of the Jews. The doors are locked. The Jews are scared, almost rightfully so. I was, and I say almost rightfully so because, you know, the Jews, they're, they're afraid, right? They, they just got the witness like this. Look what happened to Jesus. Like, he did all of this stuff. They captured him. They hung and nailed him to a cross until he died. What are they going to do to us? We've been following him. We've been proclaiming him. Heck, we've been helping set up and gather people, bring the crowds in. You know they're going to be after us. So they've locked themselves in a room. And they will learn as they continue along their journey by faith that it's better to die in the name and for the name of Jesus Christ. It's better to die than it is to live. And that's the truth. It's better for me to sacrifice my own life for the name of Jesus Christ so that someone else can hear about his name than it is for me to continue living without ever saying or speaking it again. That's the truth. But this door is locked, and it says that Jesus comes and he stands among them. Now there's... Some scholars that will tell you, oh, well, maybe he knocked on the door, you know. Hello? That's not really what happened. It's not what I believe happened. Because it says that when he came and he stood among them and he says, he says, you know, peace be with you, they were frightened. We get to know this when, because if you look at Luke chapter 24, verse 36, it tells us that the disciples were startled and frightened. It says, as they were talking behind the locked doors, it says, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened, and they thought they had seen a spirit. See, Jesus just appeared. There he is. He didn't knock. He just came on in. These are his people. These are the ones that he chose to follow him. This isn't the first time that the disciples seen Jesus and thought him to be a spirit or a ghost. You see, in John chapter 6, verse 19, it said that they had seen Jesus walking on the sea, coming towards their boat, and they were frightened because they thought he was a ghost. They thought he was a spirit, some sort of an apparition. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 26, says when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, that they were terrified, and they actually cried out, It's a ghost! And then they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them and he said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. But we still get to see that when Jesus shows up, even now, they're still still scared to death. And I'll be honest, Jesus was to plop in this building right here, right now, and stand next to me, I'm going to yell. It's going to scare me to death. I can't even begin to tell you what I'll do when I stand in the presence of Jesus, but I know I'm going to praise him. I'm going to lift his name on high. You see, Jesus comes, though, and immediately, just like it says there in Matthew 14, 26 that I read to you, he says, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. See, when Jesus appears before them, he said what? He said, peace be with you. 
And as Jesus speaks to us, even in the times of turmoil and trial in our lives, he says, peace be with you. And when we cry out to him, when we feel him near, when we feel his Holy Spirit, we can be calmed in a storm. I don't know how many times that I have felt myself being so stressed out, finding myself just, just not knowing what to do, so amped up and just like, like what's going to happen? What, like, how do I do this? I don't know what's going to happen next. And then you feel Jesus. And you just go, <sighs> he quiets my soul. He makes me calm down. He lets me rest. Jesus can simply speak to us. And if you think that's not what's happening right now at Asbury College, you're fooling yourself. Because he's speaking to every single individual there. And he's supplying for every single need. And I don't know how many times he has looked upon them already in the days since last Wednesday when he said, peace be with you. And they are calm. They're not worried about, hey, I didn't go to class. They don't care about class. Hey, I didn't go to my home church today. They don't care that they didn't go to their home church today. They are in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and they are worshiping, and they are praising, and they are doing it the way that he has called for them to do it. That isn't wrong. See, Jesus simply speaks, peace be with you. And it, and it helps. Isaiah 41 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. John 16, Jesus speaks and he says these words. He says, I have said these things to you, that in, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, he says, I have overcome the world. Jesus is in control. Jesus is in charge. And then we have something amazing like Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, good, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen, church? See, that is what Jesus gives us. He says, peace be with you. And when he says, those few simple words, it speaks all of Psalm 23 over us. It speaks everything that you just heard there. I can literally be calmed, and, and it's as if I am sitting beside just a gentle stream. You can just hear the water trickling along. Doesn't that give you peace? When you're in nature and you just hear the birds chirping and the trees are, are flowing, the stream, the brook, it's, it's just bubbling. His goodness is mercy. It's going to follow me all the days of my life. You see, we are given all of these things. And Jesus tells us, he says, he's in, in, back in our, our text here, in, in, at the end of verse 21, going into verse 22, it says, As the Father has sent me, even though I am sending you. He says, he says, and then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. See, this points to the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Verse 19, where he says, go, make disciples. You see, we have that hanging up there for a reason. We want you to see it. It's just not a pretty background. It's there as a reminder to you. It's the reason that we have it hanging in the baptistry, so that as we dunk you and put you underneath the water, and we raise you back to new life in Christ Jesus, that it says, now it's your turn to go and to make another disciple. Because guess what? You didn't get to be a disciple on your own. Jesus called you. His Holy Spirit plucked at your heart, and he said, hey, pay attention. Come, follow me. Maybe you had somebody invite you to church. Maybe you had somebody that said, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. You had someone plant a seed for you. Somebody did it because they became a disciple. 
Because they were mentored. Because this discipleship began to happen. And then they went and began to make disciples. We are called to do the same thing. And Jesus is pointing us to this. Even now, he says, even so I'm sending you. But then here's the really cool part. It says that he breathed on them. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathed on them. God breathes life into our bodies. And I want to just point you back to this truth. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, tells us that God created man on the sixth day of creation. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, he tells us how he created man. Do you remember how God created man? God literally formed man out of dust from the ground. And then it says he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and then man became a living creature. You don't live today except by the grace and the breath of life given to you by God, your creator. Do you understand that? And then when Jesus looks upon them and he breathes his breath upon them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit, that's something that had to have been amazing. And you know what? He doesn't stop with just them. His Holy Spirit is working and is active today. Is he breathing upon you today? Is he calling you to something else today? Or are you like Thomas that we're going to read about here in just a moment? Are you like him where, where we go, yeah, I get it. I don't know what he's, I don't think he's going to do that, you know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think it's kind of cool what's happening at Asbury College. Like, that's kind of neat. But I don't know. I mean, like, like, what if I went there? It'd probably be too many people. I don't really know the songs they're singing anyway, probably. Like, I'm more of a hymn guy. You know, or, you know, I don't know, man. There's people there, and they're kind of clapping and stuff. We ain't supposed to clap. I'm Baptist. We've gotten out of that, by the way, y'all, and thank you for that. Holy Spirit says, be free and move. He didn't say, sit still like this and go, praise the Lord. Like, no, you're supposed to sing a joyful noise and get excited and go, Jesus Christ saved my life. Woo! Like, like Jesus is alive and he is pumped and he wants you, he desires you, he, is, he has literally come after you. Do you understand that? He sought you out personally, knows your name. He literally was like, hey, Ray, I'm coming for you. And then he saved him. He said, hey, Mike, coming for you and I'm going to save your life. And then you know what he did? He went, watch this. Boom, I'm going to be hung on a cross and I'm going to shed my blood because both of you were guilty. You deserved hell for the lives that you have lived. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take your place. I'm going to become your substitute. I am going to hang myself and become the sacrifice that you so desperately needed so that you can be saved. All you have to do is accept this grace of life that I'm about to give you. Will you do that? That's what Jesus has done for each and every single person in this building today. He did it for every single person out in the world today. They just don't know it, or they refuse to believe it. You see, Thomas, oh, good old Thomas. We get to him. It says Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin. He wasn't with him when Jesus showed up, when Jesus just magically appears. And he says, peace be with you. They tell Thomas, like, Here's what happened. It was amazing. Jesus was here. Sorry you missed it. And he said, I'll never believe what you've just told me. Can't happen. Didn't happen. Not going to trust it. Not going to believe it. Not unless I put my finger right into his hand or I stick my, my hand into his side myself. I refuse to believe. Is that you? Is that you today? Are you the one who refuses to believe because you just simply can't see it? That's the question. Do you refuse to believe it because you can't see it? See, our minds, our minds want us to question things. Our minds like to get in the way. Jesus, however, eight days later, it says, Jesus comes again. And when he shows up, 
It's a different situation, isn't it? Eight days later, he's there inside, hanging out with the disciples behind the locked door. Jesus comes through. He says, peace be with you. And the very next thing he does is he addresses Thomas, the doubter in the room. He comes to him, and the very first thing he does is he says, put your finger here. Put your hand into my side. You see, Jesus already knew. He already knew the doubts that Thomas had. He already knew what it was going to take to get Thomas to see and to believe. He already knew what it was going to take. Jesus is real. He is flesh and bone. He is fully man. He is fully God. He is not an apparition. He's not a ghost. He is real, present, and alive when he comes to the Jews, to the disciples who are there behind the locked door. He is 100% a full living being. You know why? Because he is God. Because he was raised from the dead. After three days of being in the grave, he defeated death. He put, he put the enemy, Satan, in his place. And then he proved himself to be the true one and only son of God who had taken your place through his actions on the cross. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. You've heard me say this a hundred times, and you'll hear me say it a hundred more probably before I ever leave this church one day. You see, we have got to conquer our minds. We have got to stop thinking with this. We've got to start going here. Some of you in this room have heard me tell you this. Some of you in this room have this like, you're like, okay, this is old hat. I've heard this story before. We love to let our minds get in the way, don't we? But the truth is that if Sierra had allowed for her mind to stop her, she wouldn't have gone to Asbury College because she would have said, man, I'm going to get home really late. And I'm going to be late coming to church probably. The truth is, is that if we let our minds get in the way, sometimes we'll worry about, like, like hey, I've got, I've got other things to do. I, can't, I don't have time to get into the Word. I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to, to, to praise and to worship or pray even, to even speak to the Lord. We have to stop using our minds, and we have to start addressing and knowing Jesus Christ with our hearts. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10 says, it says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and it's with the mouth that one confesses and is saved. It never once mentions your brain there, does it? It's not a brain issue. It's not a mind issue. It's a heart issue. Thomas is constantly using his brain. He wants to simply say, I don't I don't see Jesus. It can't have happened. But then Jesus appears before him. And then Jesus rightly asks Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Is the only reason you believe is because you've seen me? Like you saw all the great and amazing things that I've done. You've witnessed the miracles. You've seen me change hearts. You've seen people be transformed. You know the things that have been done and, and now you simply believe only because you see me? Is that really what it takes for us? Now, we have a little bit of an edge on Thomas in that we get to have the whole Bible, right? He was in the moment. I can, I can give him a little leeway because he was, you know, it's a lot to take, take in, isn't it? Your Lord has just been crucified. He's put into the ground. You've never seen this sort of thing happen before. But we get to have the entire story. We get to know what God's word tells us in full. And Jesus tells us, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those. That's you and me. That's us in this room. We, we weren't there to walk and talk with Jesus, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can walk and talk with him today because his spirit lives on. His spirit dwells within us. He is there. Jesus Christ 
He speaks to me. No, it's not, you know, I'm not crazy. I don't hear audible voices and all that kind of stuff. But he speaks to my heart. I know when he speaks to me. I know when he called me. I know when he asks me to do things. And I know when I have stopped and refused him. I feel it. It's the power of his Holy Spirit who lives and works and dwells within me. And I'm telling you, I haven't seen Jesus, but I believe. I haven't seen Jesus in the flesh standing right before me, but I believe. You know why? Because I've seen the things that Jesus has done. I have witnessed many, many things that Jesus has done. I have been blessed in many ways. I have seen what Jesus has done. I look around me and I see creation out there and I see what Jesus has done. And I even get to witness things like Asbury College and this revival that is going on, especially where there is young people who is praising Jesus Christ, some of them probably for the first times in their life, and I get to see Jesus. He's alive and he is well and he is still working. And he's changing the hearts and the lives of people every single day. All we have to do is invite him in. So today for you, church, the question is simply, do you doubt? Do you doubt? Do you doubt the miracles that Jesus did? We know the things that that he talked about, but they're all described right here. Do you doubt the things that Jesus did? Do you doubt that Jesus suffered and died for you? Do you doubt that Jesus rose from the dead? These are all questions that you have to ask yourself. And here's the big one. Do you doubt that Jesus is alive? Or do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is alive? Do you believe that Jesus did the miracles? Do you believe that Jesus changed the hearts? Do you believe that Jesus can do big and miraculous things and still does them to this day? Do you believe that Jesus is changing lives and hearts and and, and bringing people to his knowledge for the very first time, especially people over at Asbury today? Do you believe that Jesus Christ can do the things that he claims that he can do them for you? And do you think that he can do them today? Jesus is alive. He can do these things. And if you doubt, I definitely invite you to to lift your voice to him. I definitely invite you to read his word and to see what it is that he has done. I invite you to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Because he will change your life. And you will literally go from being a doubting Thomas to being a saved believer. He can change your heart. And he can transform you and he can lead you to new and everlasting life. So do you believe, church? Or do you doubt? It's not anything that I can work out for you. I can help lead you to the truth. I can point you to the fact that the Bible is literally the, the only book in the world that has that much truth contained in it. For 2,000 years, you've heard me say it, people have been trying to put doubt into the Bible. They've been trying to refute it, been trying to say that it's wrong, that it conflicts itself, and yet, over 2,000 years, nobody's been able to do it. They can't prove it wrong because it's 100% truth. There's literally tons of historic proof and evidence to back it up. There is no other writing in the world that tells us more truth than what the Bible tells us. So why would we doubt that our Savior is real and that our Savior is alive? Because he is. So we're going to uh, have the worship team come up and I'm going to pray for us. And I just want you to consider those questions. Do you doubt or do you believe? And if you doubt, I invite you to come forward. Let me talk with you. Let me share with you. Let me pray with you. That altar is open. Come and pray and give your heart to the Lord and let him change your heart. We are here to help however we can because the revival 
that is going on right now at that college is the same revival that we need here in Taylorsville, in Spencer County, in Mount Eden, and all around the United States and all around the world. We need a revival because Jesus is alive and because he can change your life and because he is here to do so even today. It's whether or not you're going to give him the chance. Will you give him the chance to change your life? So let's pray. Father, we come before you now and we just give you praise and thanks that, that, you, that you are here. Lord, we thank you so much for, for what you have done. You were the sacrifice we so greatly, greatly needed. Lord, I know that there are times that we have we've just simply fallen away from you. We've maybe turned away from you, Lord. Maybe we've walked, walked off. I know that you are there and that you're ready to receive us back with open arms. But all we have to do is confess ourselves, Lord. All we have to do is repent of our sins and just commit ourselves to you. Lord, lead us. Bring us back home to you. Give us a revival in our own hearts. Lord, help what's happening at Asbury spread like a wildfire and increase in us, Lord. Help us to decrease ourselves so that you may increase. We need you, Jesus. We thank you for your gift, the sacrifice that you made for us. Give us freedom, forgiveness of our sins. Thank you for the salvation and the chance for eternal life. Jesus, we need you. Thank you. We ask now for your Holy Spirit to work and to move. And as we sing this last song, Lord, I pray that you would work upon hearts here. That if we need to renew ourselves before you, that you would draw us to you. That if we just need to to renew our faith, Lord, that you would draw us near. If we don't know you, Lord, maybe there's somebody here that has not met you even for the first time. Lord, that you would open their hearts to receive you today praise you, Lord, for the work that we know you have already done, but Lord, I thank you as well for the work you are continuing to do and the work that you'll still have yet to do. Be with us, God. Guide us and let your Holy Spirit move freely. We praise you and ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen.